I'm, I'm not what you would call handy. You know how, like, some people are good at fixing things? You, you, you have friends like that that you're like, oh, they're really good with, like, a hammer and a saw, and they can, like, build stuff, you know? And then you call them. You're like, hey, i got to build a thing. Will you come over and build it? People don't call me for this. People, people look at their, me, and they're like, he's pretty good at sermons. I mean, I, if you ever need a sermon at your house, call me. Like, I... That's where I will shine, but I don't have a pickup truck to lift any of your stuff, and I'm not handy. And I think I come, I come by not being handy pretty honestly. My dad was not handy, and he also was not around, so I didn't learn any of that from him. My mom was not handy either. We had one tool in our house. Uh, it was a screwdriver. It sat in the drawer, and so if anything broke, it doesn't matter what it was. It was like, well, get the tool. Like, go get that one screwdriver we have, you know, or it would be like, or, or I would say, we had other tools. We had a, a phone and a checkbook. And so if anything broke, we'd like, you know, well, you better call somebody to fix that thing because we don't know how to do it. So, so I grew up not being handy, but the truth is I like to fix things. Like there's something super satisfying about it. And thank God for YouTube because now you can look stuff up and figure out what is broken and like DIY that thing. So we have a scooter that my wife takes to, to class and then I take around for fun because <laughs> it's nerdy fun. Um, and so we have this scooter, and it needed to, the back tire needed to be changed out the wheel. And so I got on YouTube, looked up my exact model and how to change the tire, and someone's demonstrated. So I followed it. I borrowed a friend's ratchet set because I don't own one. And I got the scooter out there. I took all, I unscrewed all the screws that needed to come off, and I take off the muffler and part of the chassis and then get the wheel off. And then I took it into the shop to get the wheel repaired and then put it back on. And I put it back together. It, you know, I had, it, it felt like grease monkey awesome. Like, I was like, I'm doing a thing. Look at me do the thing. And like, and I screwed all the screws back in uh, on this thing, and then one of them wouldn't go back in all the way. Isn't that always the way when you do, do it yourself on repairs? Like, one thing doesn't quite work right. So I screwed them all in, and this one, like, only got, like, halfway in, and I'm like, that's probably good enough, you know? So, so I gave her the bike back, and, and, then, and then, like, a week later, she's like, hey, thanks for changing the wheel and all, but um, the bike's kind of making a rattling noise. And I'm like, I have no idea why that would be. I don't know. <laughs> rattling noise, that's weird, you know. So eventually took it into the shop and they, they actually screwed it in properly and now it's fine. But I, I felt good about myself like doing a thing, like a, in the world, like a physical make something. Like I felt like, man, I'm, I'm handy. I can, I can do this thing. Um, and that, that does feel good, right? It feels good when you accomplish something. When something is broken, you can fix it. That feels good about physical things. You fix the gutters at your house or you, you know, paint this thing or whatever. But it also feels good in other areas when, when a relationship is damaged and you can actually sit down and fix it and sit down with someone and say, hey, let's, let's repair this thing. That, that feels good, right? Like, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a powerful thing that we, that we feel. Um, but I want to talk to you today about the stuff you can't fix. The things that, there's no ratchet set that will fix this. There's no sit down, have the conversation that will fix it. Because stuff comes up in life, problems, our own sins and behaviors. Uh, there, there's stuff that pops up in us and around us that tries me, we might, we can't fix these things. Um, and it's super, it's super frustrating. Um, and where do you go then when you run into something that you can't fix? Like maybe you're here today and a relationship that you're in is just burning to the ground. And because it involves another person, you can't make them do anything. You're frustrated and you're sitting there going, I can't fix this. Like what am I going to do? Um, 
Maybe you're, you're in a work situation that's challenging and you can't fix your boss or you can't fix your coworkers. Not much you can do about it. Maybe it's at school, you're having a challenge with a teacher and you're like, I want this to be better. I want to get by in this class. I want this to go well, but I can't fix it. Um, maybe it's your own sins and behaviors and stuff that you've been dealing with for years and you're like, man, I just can't fix this. And so we're going to talk about that today, particularly about um, how we pray about that situation. We're going to do four weeks starting today called Lord Teach Us to Pray. And we're talking about prayer. And we're talking about this for two reasons. Number one, we're a church and churches pray and followers of Jesus pray and it's a good thing. It's also a thing people really say they struggle with. So we're going to talk about how to pray, how to pray better, maybe get some more language around it, some more ideas, some more concepts around prayer so that we can be better at it. And I think that's a good thing because in praying, we build up our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and that, that's a really good thing for us. So that's one reason we're, we're going to do it. And the second reason we're going to do it is because all of us get into situations where prayer is all you've got where it's just not working and all you can do is pray and, and hope that God fixes the thing. When he cheats on you, prayer is all you've got. When the doctor calls and gives you a diagnosis that you don't like, prayer is all you've got. When, uh, when you go sit down to take that test and you didn't study, prayer is all you've got. You better, you know, you better, you better pray. Some things that happen around us and in us drive us to a greater a, a, to, to a greater power, to, to pray those prayers of help. So we're going to talk about today specifically how we pray prayers of help. We're going to talk about other kinds of prayer in this series. Uh, we're going to talk about prayers of thanksgiving or being thankful to God, showing gratitude. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about uh, prayers of uh, adoration where we just go, wow, God, you are amazing, and, and we, we honor God for all he's done and who he is. That's, that's a totally acceptable, a good way to pray to God. Um, also, we're going to talk about prayers of confession where we say, look, I've messed up and I've broken things. Um, and, and, and where we come clean with God, and that, that's a great way to pray, pray also. But today I want to start with prayers where we ask God for help. When we are at the end of our rope and we don't know where to go, and we come to God and say, will you help? To do that, I want to frame it around this, this uh, account in the book of Mark where Jesus is, uh, is teaching, and he comes across uh, this disagreement between in a crowd of people and he comes across a guy who is definitely at the end of his rope and is very desperate and this guy comes to Jesus and, and I want you to see it's, it's a miraculous thing that happens it's really cool and it's recorded in Mark chapter 9 we're going to put this up on the screen starting with verse 14 and when they came to the disciples they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them and immediately all the crowd when they saw him were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him and he asked them what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. All right, so... Jesus rolls up on this crowd, and they're having this argument, and there's some stuff going on, and he's like, what is this all about? Why are you all fussing? And this one guy says, look, I, my son's got this demon possession thing, and he's foaming and rolling around on the ground, and I brought it to the disciples, your disciples. They couldn't fix it, and so now I'm coming to you. And Jesus' response, I mean, that's a sad story, right? And his response is, oh, like, how long do I have to put up with you guys? 
I mean, if there's an eye roll in the Bible, this is it right here. He's just like, for serious, you guys. Like, I, but I don't think he's rolling his eyes at the guy who's asking for help. I think he's rolling his eyes at the, the, the disciples themselves. He's like, why can't you guys? You guys had like one job or like maybe two. Like go preach and then like cast out some demons. You, you're dropping the ball on your demon casting out job. Like let's get it together here, guys. And it, it almost seems like he's just you know, kind of annoyed with them for not doing what they're supposed to do. Now, as it's described here, I think modern Americans can be very skeptical of, of, of this account because the way it's described is this kid uh, falls down on the ground, he rolls around, he foams at the mouth, and he becomes rigid and some stuff like that. And if you're just looking at this from like a modern scientific, a, a, a medical sort of approach, you would say this looks a lot like something like an epileptic seizure that the kid is having. You go, well, he, just, he doesn't need a demon cast out of him. He needs medicine. Like if he could get on a certain medicine, he'd probably be okay. And in the ancient world, they were familiar with the idea that some things needed some sort of medical treatment, and then they are also familiar with the idea that, no, actually, some people are just possessed by a demon, and, and they put this in that category and said, this guy has been possessed by a demon. Um, and that is a real thing, and it is a thing that, is, that happens um, in other parts of the world a lot still today, and it definitely happened in the ancient world. Um, and so there's this thing they're dealing with, and this problem's been going on for years, and this guy is desperate. He's desperate because it is his son who's been struggling with this. And if, and if you were him, you'd be desperate too. You'd go to anybody, everybody and anybody that you heard could even maybe help your situation, you would go there trying to get a cure for, for, for your son. Um, but it got me thinking, like, why, if God can help, um, why don't we... Why don't we ask for help? Like, why, why are we so, uh, why is asking God for help like the last thing we think of sometimes? Well, I, there's a couple reasons I think we don't ask for help generally in our prayers and just in life. Number one, we don't ask for help because we're too proud. We are too proud. Now, you see this in relationships with people, like we don't ask each other for help a lot. And, and we'll say it, we won't say, I'm not going to ask you for help because I'm too proud. What we'll say is, I don't want to bother you with my thing. Or like, you probably have a lot of problems of your own. You don't want to be concerned with like my little stuff that's going on. We say things like that, that uh, on the surface sound noble, but the reality is underneath that, it's our pride. We're too proud to ask for help. We don't want to acknowledge that we are uh, helpless. We don't want to put people out or something like that. And I, and I understand that on some level, uh, we, we've been taught, you've probably heard this before, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So why would we want to be in the position of receiving? Like, I don't want to be a charity case. I don't want to need help. I want to be the blessing person who, like, gives to others and helps them. I don't want to be needing help. And so we kind of build that thing up. We say, I don't want pity. I don't want handouts. And it sounds noble, but the reality is it's just our pride. We like to rely on ourselves, particularly in America. We idolize independence and doing your own thing. And you're a self-made man or woman. You've, you've survived and you've made it happen. We love that kind of stuff in this country. And so for us to come out and say, hey, I need help, it sounds un-American. It sounds weak. It sounds like you're admitting that you're just failing and, and, and blowing it. And so we don't ask for help from others, and we extend that out to God. We don't want to admit to God either that we are flailing and, and failing. But here's what I know about 
God, and, and you see this written a couple times in the Scripture. God, it says, like First uh, Peter says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if you want to be proud, you want to be, and I don't mean the good kind of pride, like I'm, I'm proud of my son or whatever, but like the, like the, the, the sinful, like over-the-top pride. If you want to be like, I, I don't need nobody, you know, if you want to do that thing, you are setting yourselves up, yourself up in opposition to God. It's not going to go well for you long term, right? But if you will humble yourself and say, I don't have it all together, man, God brings grace and love, and he, and he wants to help you in that situation. And he reaches out um, and brings help and healing and, and honors that. And you see that. This guy comes to Jesus, and Jesus, you'll see in a minute, Jesus helps this guy. He's willing to help him. So number one, we don't ask for help because we're too proud. I think the second reason we don't ask for help, particularly from God, is we don't think God can do anything in our situation. Like, I have real problems, earthly problems, struggles, relationships, God may be there, he may be big and powerful, but he's not really concerned with what's going on in my life. Like God has world leaders to deal with and countries and there's starvation and there's real problems. God's not gonna mess with my thing. He doesn't have time, it's not on his radar. I can't get it on his radar. He's real busy, whatever. We don't think um, God is willing to do anything or we don't think he can do anything. Man, this problem is so bad. I mean, I can pray, but God can't actually fix it which is sort of a lack of faith on, on our part, right? Um, or maybe we've been disappointed in the past. We've asked God for something and he didn't deliver the way we wanted to. And so we're very hesitant to, to step up to that again. I don't want to ask God again because I don't want to be disappointed again. C.S. Lewis was one of the most, maybe the most famous writers, Christian thinkers of the 20th century. And uh, Lewis actually spent 17 years as an atheist from, the, from a childhood up through part of adulthood, he was an atheist. And the reason he was an atheist is because when he was about nine years old, his mother died. And during that phase when the house was crowded with people and people ru- rushing about and people coming in to treat her when she's sick, Lewis prayed to God, God, heal my mother, and she was not healed and she died. And so Lewis concluded God either doesn't exist or if he does, he's not any good because he doesn't help you when you need him. And so he walked down this atheist path, path, combined that with the horrors that the world witnessed, that Lewis witnessed also of World War I, or the Great War, com- uh, put those two things together, and you have um, a formula for atheism where he's like, I don't want to be disappointed again. I don't want to experience the trauma of this again. Um, I, it's easier to believe in a God that, it, it's easier to believe that God doesn't exist than to believe that there's a good God who just doesn't answer my prayers and won't help me. And, and I, under, I understand that. I understand how we can um, get to that place. And maybe the reason that you, you and I don't ask for help is because we've experienced too much disappointment and too much trauma, and we concluded that God either won't help or that he can't help. And let me just encourage you with this. Let me encourage you to hope again, to, to believe again that God can help. Because I've seen him help people in this church, in my own life, in the lives of other people around here. I've seen God step up when people um, ask for help. And, and I know it's hard to, to risk um, disappointment. But, but I do believe God helps when we reach out to him. And that's what this man does. So I want you to see how it goes for him. We'll continue on in verse 20. 
And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. It's a weird scene because they bring the boy in front of Jesus and the father, and the boy is like flops on the ground and starts flailing about and foaming at the mouth and rolling around and convulsing, right? And then Jesus has this conversation, and it almost sounds like a doctor with very cool bedside manner, right? Like so. I mean, imagine how distracting it is that this kid's flailing about on the ground. And then Jesus is like, how long has this been going on? Oh, interesting. Okay, he's like taking notes or whatever, like, oh, since childhood, okay, yeah. Have you, you know, have you treated, what's the, you know, it feels very like, very clinical almost, you know, and he's like, hey, it's been going on since childhood, and it has tried to cast him into fire and into water. This demon has tried to destroy him. Um, And again, we're skeptical, right? You go, "Ah, that sounds weird. I have heard stories of things like this in Haiti uh, today, like of, of things of, of possession and people like uh, being like led by this demon to like walk out into the water to their death. I've heard stories of that say, so it's not like it's only happening back then. So the guy says like, if you can help, and Jesus is like, if you can, come on, man. Like everything is possible for him who believes. And then I love the guy's answer. It says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, Lord help my unbelief. Man, I appreciate the bravado of that. And I also think it's kind of weird. It's almost contradictory. I'm in, kind of. I believe, but sometimes I don't. God, I'm, I'm, I'll, you're right. Yes, oh, man, you, want, uh, you can bring a healing? I, I'm totally in. I believe in that. I, I believe in it. Uh, actually, though, sometimes I think maybe I doubt, and I have my frustrations and concerns. Like, ah, isn't that just like us? How relatable is this guy? I could, I could charge in there with bravado, I, especially if my son is on the line. I'd be like, yes, I totally believe. But then also to be like, sometimes I doubt. Sometimes I'm frustrated. Sometimes I don't get it. Can you help me with that? So he comes to God and he says, I, I get it, but will you help the part where I don't? And that is so much like life for us. We're like 90% there. We don't get 100% certainty about like hardly anything in life. You get 90%. It's all you get. And the gap between that 90 and that 100, that 10%, we call that faith. That's where you have to live. You kind of live in that tension. Live in that space of, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I, I get it, but I don't get it. I'm there, but I'm not quite there. That's where most of us live most of the time. And that's why I appreciate the guy is motivated out of his heart, out of his love for his kid. Wouldn't we all be the same way? And he's honest. He's bravado, but he's also honest. Like, yeah, I'm in, but I I struggle too. And I just think that's really uh, powerful. I think it's a a really uh, powerful thing. So listen to where this goes. Uh, Verse 25, continuing on. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. 
And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus heals this boy. And what an incredible moment for the boy and for his father to, to be released from that, to have this thing wearing and, and sort of bearing down on him for his entire life. And what did that feel like in that moment to be like, I'm myself again and I'm free? And what did that feel like for the dad who's watched his child suffer from childhood to, to be like, oh, this is really happening. Like there's, there's real healing here. And I don't want you to miss that in our skepticism and our modern sort of scientific skepticism about these things. I don't want you to miss this point. God has the power to heal and, and he responds to those who reach out and ask him for help. The very thing you feel inadequate to handle, God is more than adequate to handle. The very thing you feel powerless to fix, God has the power to, to fix. The very thing that has got you desperate and you're like crying out in desperation, God can hear that cry for desperation and bring hope and healing back to your life. That is the truth from, from the scripture and I, and I want you to hear this. So how? How can we pray these prayers of, of help to God, how, how can we cry out to him? How can we um, be in that situation? How, how do we do that and, and ask him for help and have him speak into our lives and heal us? Number one, I think you just have to come to him and ask for help. Just straight up come to God and ask for help. A lot of us, um, we think we ask God help for help. We're like, yeah, I should pray about that, but we don't. Like, so whatever the thing is that you're struggling with, have you asked God for help in that? Some of you have, maybe day after day. But have you consistently, regularly, faithfully asked God, will you help me with this thing? Um, and, 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 and God, please deliver me. And have you gotten quiet before him about this? God, please handle this. You, if you want to see what that looks like, and maybe you need some words for that, look at the Psalms, the middle of your Bible in the Psalms. If you open up and read the Psalms, you'll see all ranges of human emotion. But King David, who wrote most of the Psalms, um, he cries out to God for help pretty regularly in the Psalms. Look at Psalm 86, a pretty famous one. Listen to what David says, just the first four verses. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. This is the king of Israel saying that, right? Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for you, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. If you go read all of Psalm 86, you will find David asks for God's help in various ways 15 times in just that one psalm. And think about it. When you're king of Israel or you're the king, you don't need help from anybody. You've got whatever you want. Whatever he wants, he can go have. He can just go take it. And, and you see some stories of him famously doing that when he shouldn't have. But David is, is a powerful guy, and yet he's sitting there going, there are things that I can't fix. There are things that I can't do. There's ways that I need you, Lord, to deliver, and I need you to handle it because there's things I just can't handle. Ultimately, David knows ultimately God is the one who can help us. Now, you, maybe you can handle your business, Maybe you go, man, I got stuff I got to take care of. I can take care of it. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you're very self-reliant and you're like, I can handle my business. I can take care of stuff when it goes wrong. I can depend on me. I can make it work. I can figure things out. I don't need to ask God for help because I got this. 
And really, honestly, that strategy, that will work for you for a while until it doesn't. Until one day, you'll run into the thing that you can't handle. There'll be business you can't handle. There'll be stuff you can't take care of. And you will reach the end of your rope. And at that moment, will you ask God to help you? And what if maybe you just ask God to help you before you get to the end of your rope? What if we all just got in the habit of doing this? Man, regularly pray prayers of help, asking God, hey, will you, will you step in? Will you handle this? Will you deliver me? So number one, just plainly ask God for help um, in your prayers. Lord, help me. It's a, it's a three-word simple prayer. And number two, ask friends for help. Ask friends for help. Ask people to um, come alongside you and help you when you're in a hard time. Reach out when you're struggling and get other people not to fix it for you, but to pray with you. A lot of times I meet with people, and maybe you've done this as well. I meet with marriages that are struggling. I meet with single people that are struggling with this. I meet with different people within the church. We grab coffee. We talk about what, what's going on. And a lot of times I feel really inadequate to help people. Like if your situation's really hard and, I, and I'm just like, yeah, that sounds hard. I wish I had like the answer to give you because I want to be helpful to people. I, you probably are the same way. Like I don't want to be unhelpful. Like if someone comes to me and they got a thing, I want to help them. But the reality is sometimes the best thing I can do to help you is just to pray with you or for you. Like you're praying about it and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in God's ear about that too. I'm going to bug him about that and we're going to all pray together and ask God to intervene in the situation and do something miraculous. And so maybe you need to reach out and ask friends to help, not to solve it for you, but to pray with you um, with whatever you got going on. And this can be hard. It can be hard to ask for help for all the reasons we've already talked about, our ego, and and we don't want to admit that we need help. Uh, We don't want to admit that to God. We don't want to admit that to other people. We live in an Instagrammed world where everything's filtered, and we're supposed to put that picture out there of how great we are and how happy we are and how good everything looks. But we all know that underneath that, we're flawed. We're struggling. We're not as good as our pictures would indicate. We're not as happy as our status makes it look like. That's the reality. And maybe we just need to remember this and we need this reminder that it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. And of any place in the world, I hope and pray that that is true in this church, that this is a place where you cannot be where it's okay to be not okay. Because sometimes at work, you need to be okay. You got a job to do, they pay you. If you want to cry, go outside, right? Sometimes at school, it's that way too. You need to be okay. You got social dynamics and different groups to hang out with, and you need to appear to be something so that they'll accept you into like, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes with your extended family, you don't want to be not okay because they'll ask too many questions, and that gets real complicated. You don't want to get into all that with all those people, Where is the place where it's okay to not be okay? I hope that is in the church, and I hope it's this church. And if it's not this church, we've got more work to do then as a church. This has to be a place where it's okay to not be okay. Like, if you walked into a hospital right now, wouldn't you expect to see some people who are sick in there? Like, if you walked in the hospital and everyone's like, I'm good. I'm like, then why are you in here? What are we doing? Same thing, you walk into a church, wouldn't you expect that there will be some broken people in here? People going through stuff, people who are not okay. Man, I don't want to walk into a church where everybody's perfect. It's annoying. Plus, I wouldn't fit in. It'd be weird. Let's 
be a community where it's okay to not be okay. And I think to do that, we're going to have to be very aware of people who are asking for help, who are praying to God for help and who are reaching out to us for help. You need to be aware of the person in your small group who's like, man, I'm going through a hard stuff right now. Man, I'm really disappointed. Man, I'm really hopeful that it's not working out. We need to have our eyes open and our ears open to look for, to, to see and to hear the people around us who need help and not just put it on them to ask in the right way, but we need to be aware, hey, this is a cry for help. Like people want to connect. They, they, they need some help. So if you're in a spot right now where things are good and you don't feel this desperate cry to God like, man, Lord, help me, um, that's awesome, and I'm excited for you. Your prayer today is not, Lord, help me. Maybe your prayer today is, Lord, help me to see the needs around me and step up. Lord, help me to be a safe place for other people to not be okay. Because the truth is, I'm not, I don't have it all together either. So there's an interesting little sort of postscript to the story. We kind of hinted at it earlier, and I want to kind of wrap it up with this. After Jesus heals this guy, this, this, this child, um, he, his disciples come to him, and his disciples are like, hey, um, how come we couldn't cast out the demon? Like, how come we couldn't heal this guy? We tried. It didn't work. And listen to Jesus' response, verse 29. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. That's really interesting to me for lots of reasons. I wonder if the disciples were like, oh, duh, we didn't pray. Like, obviously, like, that's awkward. Like, we tried everything else, but we didn't pray. I mean, was that, was that how that went down? Um, but Jesus clearly believes that prayers move things on a spiritual level and things happen when we pray. And there are things that you're going to run into that you're not going to be able to fix unless you pray and ask for help. And this was one of those things. I was going through a rough patch a while back and I went to see a counselor and I, I go to um, Barnabas. We recommend a lot of people to, to Barnabas. Uh, they do great work over there. And I, and I was going to see a counselor at Barnabas. And uh, I'm sort of laying out my stuff there. And I I don't know if you've been to counseling. I think everybody should go, like an oil change, like whether you need it or not. It's probably every three to 6,000 miles on you. You just need to go again. Um, But I was there. And when you go to counseling, um, you kind of lay out your stuff. And and if it's good and it's going right, they're going to get into your stuff, not all your problems with everybody else and why they're wrong. Um, they're going to get into, here's what you need to do, and how about you look inside and see what's going on. And so we were wrestling through some stuff, and for me, laying some things out to the counselor, I was like, here, this, this, and this happened, and this is how I reacted. And it's like, man, I could have said this to this counselor five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. I'm the same person. I keep doing the same stupid things 20 years later. It's very frustrating to me. I'm like, why isn't this fixed yet? I know better. Why don't I fix this thing? And wrapping up the session, she says to me, Chris, what do you think God is telling you in all this? And look, if if someone says that to you and you're a preacher, you better have an answer like real quick. (laughs) Or just in general, you know, what is God telling you? Like, oh yeah, God does speak to me, right? Like there's communication there. I should probably be telling me, so I should probably have an answer. And she says, what do you think God is telling you in all this? And I said, very quickly, I knew, I knew it, it came to me 
that quick, I said, this kind only comes out through prayer. And she's like, yes, like go with that and pray about that, like get, lean into that. Um, because I was hitting that wall, I was up against that stuff in me that doesn't come out um, and doesn't seem to get better and I'm like, I, I need healing and I need help because I can't do this by myself. And, and maybe some of you are there today as well. Maybe these, that sin inside or the relationships or whatever and you're like, this is broken and I can't fix it and you need to ask God for help. So ask God for his help. Pray to him regularly. Ask others to, to help, to come alongside and pray with you and then keep your eyes open for those around who, who need help. You're going to have two practical ways to do that today. I want to give you this. Number one, you got a connection card when you came in. On the back of that connection card, we give them to you every week. On the back of that card, it says prayer. Um, you can write out how you need help and just write it. And when you do that, when you submit that in there, we have a prayer team at this church that will be praying with you. So by, by writing out, God help me with whatever, you're, you're recruiting other people to pray with you. So that's one step you can take very practically today. Say, hey, here's the thing. I, I'm not too proud to ask for help about this. Here's the thing. And secondly, um, you can receive prayer at the end of the service here when we're done. And you can come down to the front and be prayed for uh, at this time. At, at when, when we dismiss, allow someone to pray for you. When everyone's going back up to the lobby, you can come down and receive prayer. So do that as well. Those are two great options. So let's pray uh, here and then we'll go into communion. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us uh, to swallow our pride, to come to you humbly and receive your care and your help. God, there are problems that we have that we can't fix, but we know that you can. So I pray you bring your help in those situations, bring your peace. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for this community, and may we have our eyes be open and our ears be open so we can recognize the, the, the needs that are around us. Help us to uh, be okay with people not being okay and, and to, not, to, to be not judgmental about that, but to be open and loving and gracious. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.